This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Well, thanks very much for joining us for our latest podcast. Hope you're doing well. Hopefully it's been a relatively good week. It's been a quiet week on a Rays front, but, you know, I still thought is we're closing in on less than a month to go before the start of uh, what's to be the beginning of spring training. Um, Some good stories to catch up on and some interviews that I thought uh, you'd be interested in. Um, We'll chat with Andy Freed from uh, the broadcast team in a little bit and kind of get his thoughts as we're, you know, figuring out what's going to what's to come of the next month for the Rays. Um, And we're also going to talk with a couple of players who we know will be in spring training. One of those um, is just been added to the 40 man and was also part of what's a, a rookie development program that they have. Normally it's in person this year. Obviously it was virtual. Uh, Taylor walls will join us, um, and chat about his off season. And we'll also, um, get, uh, introduce you to Chris Ellis. Chris Ellis is a minor league pitcher who signed with the Rays, uh, has made one big league appearance that with Kansas city and is hoping to make many more with the Rays and kind of become what's been a success story that the Rays have had with a lot of six year free agents. So all of that to come right now, we chat a little bit with Andy Freed and Andy, I'm guessing we're at that point of the off season where we're all starting to get that itch a little bit for the start of baseball. Oh, the itch is there. <laughs> the itch is definitely there. I'm, I'm absolutely feeling that. I'm ready to get going again. I, I think in part because we've been craving normalcy forever, uh, that just the, the sounds and sights and smells of spring training are uh, always a lure. They're the, the dangling carrot coming in February, especially when you live down here as we do. Uh, it's exciting to know that it is just around the corner. It actually already feels kind of like spring training weather out there, but uh, that that being said, I would still like to see the Rays do something transactionally. I, I don't know quite yet. Uh, you know, a lot of times you get a kind of an afterglow after a World Series run. Uh, and I think they, they have to a degree, but in trading Snell uh, and not re-signing Morton, that big three is decimated. So it's going to be a year where, at least for now, you're going to be counting on a lot of young pitchers. And nobody knows what the effect of last year with innings not being built up. Uh, we'll have to do heck maybe maybe the the race will have an advantage because they did pitch uh, a little bit longer than most of the other teams so maybe some of those innings are a little more built up but you know while I think it's easy to get down on the raise and I can understand that but let's remember this team gets a full year out of a Rosarena the bullpen is all back um, and and for now I think they're in decent shape better than you would think from the people that are judging uh, the, the the league overall no doubt. And sometimes the Rays are in a best position when everyone starts to doubt who they are or what they're capable of. And, you know, I almost think that Kevin kind of relishes that role to a point. I mean, it's nice to be the hunted, um, but I still think that they're going to be looked at as kind of hunting after the group now, so to speak. The only year now, I've been here since 2005, the only year that I can ever remember the prognosticators picking the Rays to have a great year was 2014. Mm-hmm. Coming off the 2013, I mean, even after 2008, they thought, well, the Yankees went out and spent a, literally a billion dollars uh, to to get good, and they did with Sabathia and Burnett and Tishare and and whoever else it was. 
Yeah, they're always kind of predicted to be middle of the pack. Maybe they'll get good. And then they, they did great in 2010, but everyone thought they're decimated for 2011. Made the playoffs again. People thought they'd be good in 2012. Won 90 games, just missed the playoffs. Thought they'd be decent in 2013. Made a run to the division series. And then so finally, I think the, the prognosticators nationally thought, you know, this team is good. 2014, <laughs> it was a terrible year, as it turned out. But So that doesn't bother me that the, they'll be predicted probably to be third in the division. But look, I think that's where this team is most comfortable. Uh, they they love surprising everybody. And I wouldn't be shocked if they make another pretty good run this year. No, no question. And you touched a little bit on the position player side. I think that's where the Rays have a huge opportunity to grow. You mentioned Randy Rosarena full year, but look, Yandy Diaz was not himself last year. Austin Meadows was not himself. Um, and as good as Brandon Lau was, I still think there's even more in there. And I think he probably would say the same. I think there are a lot of guys with a lot of room for improvement from 2020 to 2021. Of those guys you just mentioned, uh, I think Meadows is the one that could have the biggest of the bounce back years. Uh, We saw what he could do back in 2019 and he never got healthy. I don't think he ever really got past the COVID thing in terms of what that did for his preparation and body uh, for the 2020 season. Um, Looks, it affected some guys differently. Rosarena seemed to somehow turn it into a, uh, something very good, but Yandi, I mean, I, I love when he's in the lineup. He makes a big, big difference, but I think every year with Yandi, you got to expect that there are going to be a couple of trips to the injured list. We've seen that every year. So he's very, very valuable, but I, I don't know. I think perhaps we should expect maybe a little more power out of him. Like we saw in 20, uh, 2019 um, and Brandon Lau. I mean, yeah, th- there could be more in the tank, but I don't know if I would expect much more out of him, uh, I, I, but he could definitely be a, a a guy in the middle of the lineup, you know, it reminds me a little bit of when Carlos Pena got really good uh, with the Rays in, in 2007. Starting the next year, he was seeing everyone's tough left-hander out of the bullpen. Uh, the other staffs were geared on getting him out, and I think that's the sort of thing that Brandon Lau's going to have to deal with. Look at the issues he had in the postseason. Those teams with very good pitchers were able to gear their staffs around wherever he was coming up in the lineup, and that's part of the reason, I think, why Rosarena got some pitches to hit even during postseason. So, yeah, I, I think you could see some uh, evolution there for Brandon Lau in whatever direction it is. I think you're going to have to because the league, no doubt, is going to be adjusting to him or trying to. And I think the other exciting thing, and I don't remember the last time the Rays have a wave of position players, and who knows how many of them will help this year, but whether it's Wander Franco, Vidal Brujan, Taylor Walls, Josh Lowe, there, there's a group of homegrown position players who really have a chance to help at the big league level soon. Oh, and it, they're going to have to. Um, you know, that being said, the Rays are actually in decent position, I think, already positionally. Um, they seem to have a, a glut of outfielders. They have a whole rotation of infielders, and they have a different backup catcher, if you want to say, after Zinino now in Mejia. Um, so I, I don't know where there's going to be a whole lot of room. That being said, every year when we say that, there ends up being spots open. Uh, you know, every year when we go in, whatever position we identify, it seems like every year, and say we've got a lot in that position, that's where suddenly we're short of because of injury. You know, we're saying we have extra outfielders right now. Well, all it takes is one or two guys to get banged up. And remember, they play half their games on the turf, and it seems to take a bite out of players. Uh, guys will need time on the, on the injured list. But I think it's exciting because – if you look at the the players that have come up mostly over the years that have helped the team, it's been pitchers. I, I think you're right. I don't remember the last time we had a, a real, I don't know, if, not the word glut, but 
just a real influx coming of position players that they can plop in here or there. And look, this team has taken platooning to just an entirely different level. There are rotations of players at every different position. Uh, and that that's the way it's going to be throughout the year. And, and look, people can, you know, we're never going to win December and January. Every year we go through this. We talk about this every single off season. Mm-hmm. Other teams make bigger splashes. The Mets got Lindor. The Blue Jays get Springer. This team gets that one. I don't know. I always feel good going into the year. Let them overlook us, and then we'll see in September. Exactly. And look, at the you mentioned Springer. The, the Jays have done some things recently. The Yankees did recently. They finally re-signed LeMayhew and added uh, Corey Kluber. I know the Rays were in the running for, but I think what's unique this time of year in January is that with four weeks to go, there's still like, what, six, 75% of the free agents are still out there. So there are still guys to sign that can help the Rays, whether it's from a bulk role, whether it's from a bullpen role, to help some of the innings that at the beginning you mentioned, yeah, that there, there are some concerns. It would be nice to add some veterans but they also don't want to block, you know, some other guys long-term. Well, I don't know how the Yankees have gotten better. Um, you know, they, they brought back LeMahieu, but they had LeMahieu. They have Kluber now for a year where a guy has hardly pitched at all over the last two seasons, but they don't have Tanaka at this point. They don't have Paxton. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's a lot more to come uh, in this, in this off season. Uh, I think for the Rays, certainly for the Yankees, and let's not forget Trevor Bauer still, lingering out there if they were to get Bauer and let's I think to me they'd be the favorites at this point uh that 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 will make them uh, considerably better expect coming into the year the Yankees will be the favorites like they are every year but as we've also learned it really doesn't mean anything and I'll tell you what this race team if anything they learned last year not only could they hang with the Yankees they were better than the Yankees this team went eight and two during the regular season and beat them three out of five and uh, in the division series and eliminated them. They beat, they were better than the Yankees in every possible way last year. And you know, that carries over. There is no uh, wide eyed view of the Yankees by the Tampa Bay Rays anymore. That's over. No. And uh, you know, when spring training begins a few weeks from now, you'll start to get that feel, but it, even that might have a different feel than in past years, because you're hearing maybe smaller numbers and maybe just triple A and big league guys. Instead of prospects, I'm kind of curious how things are even just going to be run on a regular basis, even on a game-by-game basis. You know, there are all kind of ideas out there. If there, if there isn't that influx of young players uh, in the early weeks of spring training, like we normally have because minor league spring training starting later, are they going to play nine-inning games? I mean, I, I wonder the same thing. <laughs> what's the point of playing innings really seven, eight, nine if there's no fans and if uh, if you don't have the, the young guys to take over as they often do routinely during spring training, especially in the early weeks. So that, you know, to me, it's still unsettled. I mean, th- there's a lot that is unsettled right now. If you're if look, there's a lot unsettled in the country. But overall, when you think between the Rays with the stadium situation, with the covid situation, with the not sure what 2021 is going to look like for fans, uh, the labor deal impending. Uh, at the end of this season for the players and the, and the owners, there's a lot of kind of unsettled turf that we're all living on that hopefully one by one, all these things are going to get figured out. But for now, to me, there's a, a feeling of unsettledness. Unsettledness for sure. But I think also, I mean, for me, excitement. I'm still just yep. looking forward to the fact that we're not that far from getting back to baseball again. And, and, and let's not forget the race of the American league champions. <laughs> I mean, that is not to be overlooked. You know, for a sports fan in Tampa Bay, this has been nirvana this year, and we still don't know what the Buccaneers are going to do. Between them and the Rays and the Lightning, 
it's been uh, okay. Well, the Lightning are good done, and, and now the Rays are going to uh, go to the World Series, and the Rays are done, and the Bucks are doing this. It's going to go right back into the Lightning and the Rays. It's a great time, so it's been plenty of distraction going on. But I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I feel pretty good going into this year. It's tough to not have Snell and Morton. Uh, I, I'm not that surprised they didn't bring back Morton. The Snell trade was a real shocker, um, but I also don't think that the Rays are done yet. No, and uh, the other thing that I look forward to storylines going forward is the Rays have a chance to accomplish something they've never done, and that's go to a playoff three years in a row. They Even if you look at the best years, they never did that. They went in 8, 10, 11, then 13, and then 19, 20. So this is their first chance to go or, or their opportunity to go three years in a row for the first time. Yeah, it's hard to know now because we don't really know what the format's going to be yet. Um you know, as it turned out last year, the Rays would have been in in any way because they had the best record in the American League. Um, but, uh, but, but overall, wh- whatever it is, you know, last year was a 60-game run, and so everybody was playing by the same rules. So we'll be doing them with that again, whether it's 162 or not. I just I look forward to the moments when they announce what it's going to be so we can stop kind of pondering and thinking about it. And I just can't wait for that moment when we're all back together, at least close to it in spring training. But even that's still up in the air. We don't know about road games, but look, we were told prepare for spring training, February 18th, prepare for games. Our first broadcast, February 27th, we'll be there. We know in some, uh, in some way on the air. And that's really what it's all about. And I can't wait like you. Same here. Well, we look forward to it and let's hope these four weeks go as smoothly as possible. I'm ready. I know you are, too. Thanks, Neil. Good stuff from Andy Freed on our podcast today. Uh, Next up, a chat with Taylor Walls. Uh, This year, the uh, Rookie Career Development Program was held online or virtually rather than being in person. And Taylor was one of a group of Rays uh, minor league players or guys who have not had a ton of major league experience to benefit from from this. Josh Fleming was among the others to participate, uh, along with several guys who were on the uh, Tampa Bay 40 man. Uh, and I asked Taylor what it meant to be part of this whole program. I mean, it meant a lot when when they asked out and, and you know, or reached out and asked if I would be willing to do it. Of course, I was like, heck yeah, let's go. And so uh, I, I, to be honest, I really didn't know much about it until they had asked me to do it. I really didn't even know that it existed, to be honest. And uh, but when they told me, you know, what all we were going to talk about, the the people we were going to have speaking, you know, some of the other guys that were doing it and, and guys that we would meet through it. It uh, it seemed like a really good experience and experience that I want to have under my belt. And uh, I enjoyed it for sure. Tell me what you enjoyed about it. What what did you learn? What did you take away from the several days you spent uh, doing this program, which normally is in person, but I guess was all over Zoom? Yeah, every everything was virtual uh, through Zoom. Uh, really the, the thing that I found most interesting was just hearing the different stories and the, uh, you know, the different pieces of advice that other, you know, MLB guys, or they even had guys, you know, like Charles Barkley and stuff like that from other sports that came in and, you know, gave words here and there to, to kind of, you know, help us weave our way through, through the industry when we get to, you know, the professional level or, you know, the big leagues. So it was good hearing the different stories, the different advice, like Charles, you know, talked a lot about social media and how it has such a, you know, big platform in, in our industry and basically all the sports today and was and just was touching on how important it is and, and how quick everything you've worked for and trained for your whole life can just go out the window with just, you know, one small mistake. So just really showing emphasis on how big of a target we have on our back and how close 
we have to watch, you know, the steps we take and make sure we're going about our business the right way. Was that the biggest takeaway, Taylor, from uh, the experience? And if not, what were some of the other things that really stood out for you? Uh, yeah, for for me, it, it was like just hearing, you know, different people's stories like Lindor talking about, you know, how everything he's got from playing and, and you know, all the things that come with, you know, the people around you or, I mean, I guess the word today that like your circle, you know, how your circle could change or how people could have their hands out wanting this and that because they, they realize that you're a people, you're a person that has it now and how to kind of navigate that fine line of giving and just people taking advantage of you. Um, so, so, you know, things that I, I don't necessarily might have to worry about now, but if I get to that stage, you know, might become a problem then. So, uh, I think, I think, you know, just hearing each individual story and taking bits and pieces away from, you know, things that maybe I don't have the concept of right now because I'm not in there in, you know, the shoes that they're in now uh, is, is probably the biggest takeaway for me. Understandable. Because it was virtual, was there enough of a chance for you to get to know some guys that maybe you didn't know, prospects from other teams, things of that nature, or even some of your own guys who you hadn't been able to see in person for a while that you really enjoyed? Um, so I, unfortunately I didn't have any of the Rays guys in my discussion group, which was kind of the group we broke off, you know, separately to a little smaller group so we could have live discussion. So I didn't have any Rays guys there, but I did get to, you know, meet a few guys from the Orioles. Um, there was a guy from the Marlins there. So I, I'm bad with names, so I can't really remember (laughs) every person by name, but it was neat to, we had Jose Cruz Jr. As, uh, as our like moderator. And we had Kate too. I, I can't, I don't know if I know how to pronounce her last name, but they kind of moderated it. And we just had different discussions, you know, based on the topics we discussed each day. I don't know, just, just different things like that, that, you know, you might not, I might not sit down and have that conversation when, you know, just whoever it is in the locker room. Sure. And, and it comes at a time in your life where things are changing for you too, right? I mean, you're married, obviously, to Hallie, and, and you've got a baby on the way. Congratulations. All right. Thank baby you. Girl. Yeah, we, uh, yeah, that's right. We found out it was a baby girl just a couple of weeks ago, so we're excited and we're looking forward to it. We can't wait. And the due date is in season, yes? Yeah, it's uh, May 21st. All right. So um, hopefully, obviously, everything goes well until there. Going through a whole process like this and the rookie program, did it make it even more real um, that you're on the 40 man and that much closer to the big leagues, Taylor? Uh, yeah, it did actually seeing, really seeing some of the names of the guys that were in the rookie program, kind of, you know, a lot of the guys had already made their debut, you know, maybe made their debut last year. And like in the discussions, a lot of the guys that were in my discussion group had made their debut last year. So I got to hear about some of their experiences playing, you know, in front of no crowd and stuff like that. So hearing, that most of the guys that were around me in this Zoom call had already been there made me, you know, feel like I was, you know, that much closer. And I'm sure you've been working extremely hard this offseason. We talked to you right after you were put on the 40-man, and I know you had plans to go up to Birmingham and spend some time with Dan Dement. Did you do that already? And 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 what? Uh, how much? How helpful has that been? Uh, yeah, I have. I've been here for about a week and a half now. Uh, I came up here, I don't know, right around the 10th, I think somewhere around there. And it's, it's been really helpful. Dan's been, you know, with me every step of the way, every single day we're, we're doing something, whether it's going to Desmond Jennings place, former Ray, mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, taking, taking some swings in the cage. 
Uh, Trustville High School has been really helpful, and they have a really nice field. Let me come out there, take ground balls, use their weight room, basically do everything I need to do and welcome me with open arms. So uh, Dan's helped me. I even saw Jamie Nelson. Nelly, uh, he was up here and hit with me, Nate, and uh, and Mike for a couple days. So, I mean, it was – it was good. It was, I mean, to have somebody like that with that type of knowledge, you know, every single day keeping you on top of your game is, you know, I feel like what I need to do personally in order to take my game to the next step and, you know, get to the big leagues. I don't know if you saw this at some point in the offseason. It was Jim Bowden um, who said you were the most underrated prospect in the race system. Did you hear about that? And what does that mean that, that anyone thinks of you in that regard? Uh, yeah, I actually, I think I did hear about that. I don't, I don't know if I've, if I actually read the art, I can't remember if it was an article or what it was, but I, I think I ran across it and I remember something like that being said. And it, I mean, it means a lot. I like being underrated. You know, it means that there's a lot of guys who, who, who you have yet to prove yourself to, to that hold you at a high level. Like you, you feel like personally I should be. So, uh, I'm always out to prove to everybody that I feel like I can play with anybody out there. I can compete with anybody out there and even better than them. Um, that's kind of my motto every day, every day when I wake up is, you know, you, you got people to prove wrong. You know, you got people that you're competing against that, that uh, people think that they're better than you. And, uh, so, so every single day I wake up with that chip on my shoulder, you know, trying to get better, trying to prove to people that I can be just as good as anybody out there. You mentioned the work that you're doing, um, and in the work that you've done with Dan, the last, you know, uh, week and a half or so is is more of it for you the offensive side of the baseball because I know how heralded you are you've been a what a two-time defensive player of the year in the organization mm-hmm. uh yeah for for the most part yeah it, a lot of it is offensively um I, I mean I'm doing everything but me and Dan are really digging deep into what kind of carrying over what we took home from the alternate site just mm-hmm. really using the the mental you know, approach side to the game, really hunting specific zones, pitches, um, you know, being able to sit off speed, you know, what, you know, what to do against certain type of pitchers, just really committing to an approach and having intent when you get into the box, every single pitch. Um, I think that just solely that adjustment of what I made at the alternate alternate site really helped me as a hitter from both sides of the plate. And I feel like if I can get that work for, you know, five to six straight weeks coming into spring training, I can kind of, you know, take off right where I left off in the alternate site. So uh, he he Dan does have infield background too. Even when we're mm-hmm. you know out and about, whether it's instructs, spring training, he's he's helping the infielders too. So uh, he's been really good. Hit me fungos, you know, whatever drills I need to do defensively, he's right there on top of it. So uh, I mean, he he's he's literally the one of the best helping hands I've ever had. Especially you know coming up, it's hard to find a guy that's that's there willing to do everything you need to do to get ready for spring training. And are you staying in Alabama till spring training? Or if not, when do you come back South? Uh, yeah, I got, I, I think I got my lease till February 14th. So after that, I plan on heading down to Port Charlotte and, uh, you know, start ramping up and doing everything there at the facility. And since you mentioned the offense, the one thing I was curious, Taylor, cause you have, there's so many switch hitters in the organization. How different mm-hmm. are your left-handed and right-handed swings? Uh, well, personally, or they feel completely different. Um, mm-hmm. if you, if you watch them, they look pretty similar, but as a hitter in the box, it's like two completely different people, you know, right-handed. I, I have different mental cues, different ideas and, you know, thoughts that I have to tell myself in order to, to get the feel that I'm looking for or 
commit to a certain approach that I'm trying to do. And then when I turn over left-handed, I might try the same thing, but I get a totally different result. So, uh, finding, I, I think that also that's something that I did well in the alternate site was getting a routine from both sides of the plate. I never really had a routine. I kind of would, whatever I did when I was going well, is kind of just what I stuck to. Um, I didn't really have a specific routine to try to get a consistent swing, you know, from each side of the plate. And so having a, you know, finding that own individual routine for right-handed and then your own individual routine for left-handed to help me get the feel that I'm trying to accomplish is something that, I mean, is going to, you know, evolve over time always, but as, as long as you could get a solid foundation for what you need to do and what I need to do to get both swings feeling where they need to, where they need to be at is, uh, is huge. And I feel like I'm, I'm doing that now. Well, it certainly sounds like you're heading in the right direction. Good luck the next several weeks. Uh, we look forward to seeing you in uh, Port Charlotte, and thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks, no, I appreciate it. Great to hear Taylor Walls again. Uh, I think is probably uh, the most underrated individual, at least on a national level, in terms of uh, the race farm system. And uh, I think he's going to open some eyes this year um, uh, across the game. Uh, next up is Chris Ellis, who is a pitcher who the Rays signed in the off season, uh, a guy who could be one of those bulk type guys that the Rays are looking to add some more depth to. Uh, and Chris was pitching in the Dominican Republic when the Rays found him. And so it's good to have Chris on the program and learn a little bit about, uh, his storyline. Hi, Chris. Thanks very much for being with us, man. Honestly, when you can, when you can sign with a team who just competed in the world series and, and especially as a pitcher, you know, an organization that produces arms and has a history of, of you know, have, taking guys in and making them better. I couldn't be any more excited from where I'm at in my career standpoint. You know, I've kind of hopped around from a few teams and uh, hasn't really worked out that well or, you know, haven't, you know, finished where I want to be at. And uh, I think it's just going to be a good opportunity with uh, with Tampa Bay to, you know, take it to the next level and, and maximize my potential and, you know, hopefully everybody else's. Now, this was the first time you were a free agent. So what was that process like for you, especially coming <clears> on <throat> a year where everyone had to deal with COVID and the situation was unique with no minor league season? Yeah, I I think honestly, maybe it being my first time through it helped me because I didn't know what to expect at all. Uh, so I, I didn't really have any expectations going into it. I got released by the Cardinals, uh, you know, around the end of May. And then right after that, I was supposed to go play in Sugarland, Texas. Well, I got COVID like the next day. Wow. So I was out for about three weeks. Um, and then I got a call from the Gigantes down in Dominican saying, hey, do you, do you want to come play winter ball? And I didn't have anything else going on. So, you know, sure, of course. And uh, kind of just used that as an opportunity to go down and try to pitch well, see where I'm at, and hopefully get signed. And uh, I guess um, Tampa had a couple scouts that worked for our team down there. And uh, – you know, they kind of helped me out a little bit. And, um, man, I kind of just got lucky. I, I went down there and pitched one. And it all just kind of <clears throat> came together and worked out, especially with COVID going on. I, I didn't know what to expect. Well, let's back up. I mean, the fact that you did have COVID, what was your case like? And, and how was the recovery process after? Because, uh, you know, I've seen so many different stories from so many different people about how it impacts them. Man, I, I didn't have it too well off i uh i had strep throat and then a couple days later got covid so i'd strep throat on top of covid at the same time uh i was i was out of commission for a couple days i didn't i didn't leave my couch too much uh it wasn't too fun but 
uh, it was just a couple of days of feeling feeling kind of bad, and then uh, like everybody else, kind of lost my smell and my sense of taste for the next like week or so. Um, I've had more fun in my life. <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't a blast. How did you physically start to recover? Because at this point, you're starting to look for a job. You're trying to find a way to pitch. I know you had pitched winter ball before. Where did you find a place to do bullpens and stay in shape? Man, I had a buddy that was in – I live in Nashville. And uh, one of my roommates, he's he's with the A's uh, in the minor league, so he, he throws a lot too. But uh, we got a we got a field called Rose Park up the road. It's, it's a nice turf field where uh, Belmont University plays. And I found mm-hmm. a couple guys to go up there and throw with me and kind of just stay in shape. Uh, you know, it's – I, I wasn't playing this year, so I didn't have much to do besides go to the field, throw, work out and stuff for a couple hours and then go golf, you know. So uh, I got lucky and had a couple couple guys that uh, that needed to throw as well because, you know, nobody was playing, right? And everyone was trying to stay in shape, stay enough the season was going to come back or if they're going to be one of the 60-man the or, uh, you know, join the 60-man pool or whatever. So uh, so luckily I had some guys that wanted to stay in shape as well that, that, that played catch with me. It was just – it was just monotonous, you know, playing catch and throwing bullpens for five months, getting ready for winter ball. <laughs> it's not the same as pitching in a game. No, it's not. But from what I heard, your stuff had ticked up a little bit in winter ball this year. Was that true? And if so, what was the difference, do you think? Um, I wish I, I wish I knew the difference. I think maybe just having having a little bit of time off, you know, not not throwing 90, 90 innings or 120 innings or whatever it was. Uh and just kind of listen to your body and man, I don't, I don't know. I kind of just went down there and I, I needed a job, honestly. And I was kind of just working my ass off, trying to get a job, trying to get signed, trying to get someone to look at me. Uh, so, you know, that plays a role into it as well. And then everyone down there is, is competitors, right? Everyone, everyone in that league, they're taking hacks, trying to take you deep. So if you don't come to the field or you don't show up in the game ready to compete, might not work out the best for, you, you know? So I kind of just took that, took that mentality, you know, just going there and trying to win a job. You know, I didn't want to be done playing baseball, and it, it, I guess it worked out, you know. Indeed. And and for people who don't know much about you, normally what what kind of stuff do you throw, and how different was your stuff in uh, with the Gigantes? Uh, man, I'm usually low to mid-90s. Uh, I use my slider a lot. I, that's one of my favorite pitches. Uh Every now and then I'll throw a good curveball, um, especially if I can throw it for strikes, it makes it a lot easier, just like anything else. You know, if you get ahead mm-hmm. in the count, it's going to make make your life a lot easier. Uh, but, yeah, I was I was low to mid-90s, and some games I would sit mid-90s. And, uh, you know, it all depends. Uh, the last game we played, it was game seven, the championship. So it was it was pretty cool with COVID and stuff, the, the – uh, Stadium obviously was limited in fans a little bit, but those people down there are nuts. So what little fans we we did have, they were rocking. So it was pretty it was pretty cool. It was a good little adrenaline boost. And that's um, a, and that's the third year you've played winter ball. Um, what twice in the Dominican? How much do you enjoy that experience? Man, I love it. It's it's <laughs> you know I live in Nashville in the off season, and it's just you know like today it's forty degrees out and rainy and nasty, and you know I get to especially because I didn't pitch this year in three innings. So I get to go down there and experience new culture, eat new foods, meet new guys, work with new pitching coaches. You know, something may click with, with 
a certain coach or something may not and they may help you out here or there but uh you know it's it's nice to go down there and and pitch and not only that but go down there and work on your tan you know enjoy the nice weather enjoy the good food no it's just it's just a good experience and it was something for me like <clears throat> one day when I'm older and have kids or whatever and I can be, you know, if they play baseball, I'll say, hey, man, you know, good on the Dominicans, a good time. Your old man used to play down there. Uh, so, I, I don't know. It's just a good life experience for me, I guess. I saw your Instagram post. How's your Spanish? <laughs> uh, I use Google Translate a lot. Um, <laughs> it's it's getting better. The more I play down there, the more things I pick up. It's just, like, Dominican Spanish is a little different from Mexican Spanish and you know, all all Spanishes are a little different. I get or at least that uh that I figured out. So um, it's not great, but I'm working on it. There you go. Hey, you had mentioned you know the excitement of coming over to an organization like the Rays. Had you had any friends or guys who you share the same agent with who'd been with the Rays and gave you some feedback or or positive you know positive thoughts about you know what's to come? Um. You know, the only person that I, I really knew pitching wise was uh, Sam McWilliams. Me and him were both mm-hmm. uh, Rule Five picks with the with the Royals together, and um, then obviously he goes and signs with the Mets, I believe. Right, he gets a big league deal from you guys. So I mean, <clears throat> obviously just seeing what what his stuff looked like, and and just being able to pick his brain a little bit about certain like mechanics, or just whenever we were talking in camp or. He just, man, his stuff was good, and he had nothing but good good things to say about Tampa. And honestly, I've never heard anyone say anything bad about the organization. And everyone's been like, man, you know, they've done nothing but help me out and, you know, help me figure some, figure some things out. So I didn't know too many people, but I hadn't heard any bad things. And it was a good opportunity, at least on paper and from talking to my agent and stuff. So I'm excited. It's a good organization for me. I was with the Cardinals for, you know, three years, and – I felt like I was a little bit stuck there. You know, you get kind of stagnant. And you're in the same place for so long. And sometimes it's good, you know, to get out and get some more eyes on you or <clears throat> pick somebody else's brain, you know. And from a, from a pitching standpoint, obviously, they're kind of a mix of old school and analytics. How much have you used analytics during your time with other organizations? And how much do you think that can help you going forward? Uh, I'll be honest with you, not as much as I should. Um I know like a decent amount about my spin rate and stuff like that, but I don't have a huge background on it. And that's, that's something that really excites me about coming over is, is that, you know, I talked with Kyle Snyder the other day and, you know, he was just telling me about heat maps and about all these different ways that they can help improve my stuff. And, you know, a lot of it's over my head. So uh, I'm going to need someone to explain a little bit of it to me whenever I get there. But, uh, but man, I'm looking forward to it. Cause you see so many guys that have success, you know, no doubt. And, and I think probably the thing that we heard a lot from guys who came in from outside organizations is that the Rays were good at simplifying it to a point that they could say, here's what you do well, and here's why you do well. Um, and I think for a lot of guys, that's probably what they need to unlock themselves. 100%. So, I mean, we'll, I guess we'll see you in spring training. <laughs> well, we appreciate a few minutes uh, chatting about it. Um, we look forward to seeing you in spring training. And, uh, Good luck this year. Yeah, Neil, thank you very much, man. Looking forward to meeting you in person in spring.
That's Chris Ellis, and we certainly appreciate his time, as well as that of Taylor Walls and Andy Freed. And we certainly appreciate spending some time with you. Uh, as news develops, you can follow our blog, raceradio.moblogs.com, and we'll certainly have plenty there. But also, as things develop, we'll also have more podcasts. And we look forward to chatting with you for sure next week. We're not sure what day, but we will have another podcast next week. In the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll talk with you soon. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.